0: Our guest is Rhoda Roberts, a Bangalung woman uh, that was born in 1960 to parents uh, that were very much politically inclined. as a young girl, she was pretty much uh, discouraged to continue on with her HSC, her high school certificates, as it's known around uh, that part of the country. She took up nursing back in 1979 where she had to move to Sydney for that one. And in fact, uh, it was there that uh, her horizons well and truly were very much out there to achieve. In the goals she's set for herself As an executive artistic director She's brought to us uh, the boomerang and the festival dreaming Now uh, this weekend starting in Alice Springs The Bejima Festival An authentic indigenous festival of light Hello Rhoda, welcome
1: Thank you so much for having me. I'm Actually, um, I know Wikipedia has uh, my stuff up, but they've actually got... I was born in the 50s, actually, <laughs> and um, I went off to Sydney in the early 70s and finished my training in 1979, where then I started travelling the world.
0: Oh, this is why it's always good to get it <laughs> from... Uh, uh The horses, as one would say. That's right. Rhoda, back then, just as you pointed uh, that out, politically active uh, parents you were born to back in Lismore, I hope that's correct in in that sense. Yes, that is. What was (laughs) it like growing up in New South Wales at that time, Mm -hmm. northern New South Wales?
1: Look, it was extraordinary times. My, ma- my father had gone off to, the, at Tulsa, to Tulsa, Oklahoma, to the Oral Roberts Theological College, where he trained with Martin Luther King. So when he came back from those studies, very much the civil rights movement was underway. And Dad became a member of FACATSI of course, which was the organization responsible for the 1967 referendum. And um, after the referendum, he actually became the chair of FICATSE, and so I guess during my growing up period, I was surrounded by extraordinary leaders, you know, Ujuru Nunakul, um, Faith Bandler, um, many people coming to our house, you know, dad and them having meetings into the wee small hours. And so that was always around us. And my, I mean, indeed, my grandfathers did an awful lot of work in that civil rights movement area. So I guess They were, I think the difference was there was such a humility, they were just so concerned about their community, so they worked at a very grassroots level, and one of the biggest teachings from uh, the family was that you are here, you have obligation, and you're literally in service to your people. So I've always carried that with me, that the work I do is for service, because I've been one pretty fortunate.
0: Growing up, what was that like? Was that a, a divided town?
1: A very Like most towns across the country, and I know there is still a number that exist, a very divided town, you know, the curfew in place, um, you know, after 6.30 p.m. on the town limits, uh, you know, the mission on the outskirts of the fringes, people living in shanty, and... You know, the town has changed over the years. We were very fortunate, I guess, in the 70s that there was a whole wave of movement to that region, particularly a town which is our immediate family's cultural lands, custodial lands, uh, is Nimbin. And that became like uh, an alternative lifestyle area over the years. And um, the most surprising thing was we saw quite a shift. I saw a shift with my dad... When we came home one day and said, Oh, those hippies. He said, Don't ever label them. They are people who have think differently. They think outside the box. And he said, They actually want to hear our voice. And so I saw a shift, I guess, in the broader Lismore community, but still, you know, I couldn't train to be a nurse there, for example. They didn't take Aboriginals for their registered program. You had to go, I had to go to Sydney which is probably the best thing, but um, and at times it's still a very divided town. We have a lot of um, situations with young people being profiled and arrested for no particular reasoning. Um, you know, we have a lot of people, Aboriginal women in particular, that have gone missing with no sort of proper investigations. So there are still many levels, I guess, in the institutions around that town that the systemic behaviour and profiling of Aboriginals is still a very negative thing. But there is a lot of great hope and optimism as well.
0: Rhoda, was you around when the Freedom Bus came through?
1: Yes, indeed. And actually, Anne Kersoy who wrote the book The Freedom Riots, has a chapter dedicated to my grandfather and father. So when they came through Lismore, they came in quite... Uh, and of course the town at that time was a bit of a racist tinderbox so they went out to the mission at Gundarimba and they hid the bus up behind the big community shed where they stayed and the community looked after them for the night Um, so that was a really wonderful moment an extraordinary moment um, you know with that happening at that time but of course it was a a tinderbox of um you know, uh, there were still the boundaries and the um, situations that occur in most regional towns, you know. Like the pictures were, um, you know, in the rope door section and all those usuals that we hear about.
0: Moving to Sydney, you said, was the best thing you've done for yourself, of course. There was uh, no limit to your horizons uh, there. You did nursing, eventually got into uh, the arts in the mid-80s. What made you choose that? Oh,
1: look, one of the big things that I had done when I went off to nursing in the mid-70s was my father was very particular that we all do volunteer work and so of course I volunteered at Radio Redfern in those days Um, I think I had my first show in 1976 and so I'd always had this taste and always wanted to be a writer and so but of course in those days it was you know get a real job and uh, (laughs) and a career so I was very fortunate with nursing and I absolutely loved it Um, and I had you know I had thought that I would end up nursing and then going home and working out in community. But instead I went to London, got another degree and started travelling the world and really started looking at the arts and seeing that it could be a voice to promote knowledge but also perhaps to give... There were a lot of assumptions about what Aboriginal people were and so I thought through writing plays and things like that you could change people's assumptions. So when I came back to Sydney, I was very fortunate to um, attend the Brian Siren Acting Studio, along with people like Lydia Miller, Ernie Dingo was in my class. And um, yeah, and so we went on to set up the National Black Playwrights Conferences and and the Aboriginal National Theatre Trust.
0: You also were the voice of uh, Deadly Sounds for a number of years, a radio program uh, that ran until around uh, 2014. You've been also involved in some fantastic art installations as well, bringing us uh, the, uh, the, 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 the Dreaming Festival, uh, the Festival of the Boomerang, and, uh, of course, uh, this weekend... Lighting up our country's uh, red centre with the Pajima, the festival of light.
1: Yeah, look, festivals are a wonderful thing. They are our gathering, I think, in the and and we get a taste of what it would have like been like in the old ways of people travelling across song lines and coming to meet and gather. And uh, celebrate the abundance of who we are, the food we have, and, you know, the seasons and all those sorts of things. And, you know, the first way of communicating um, across the country, uh, of course, in this modern world, was the radio. And I did 21 years with Deadly Sounds, and we ended up establishing the Deadly Awards and... um, Establishing the Deadly Awards and then um, quite a number of other different programs. But this weekend at Parachama, it's a festival in light. It's in Alice Springs, as you mentioned. As you can hear, I'm on site, so there's quite a bit of noise. So sorry about that, folks. But um, yes, it's a light, inst- a light festival. So we have a series of light installations. And um, I'm just moving so that I can... Yes. Yeah. So we have a series of light installations uh, that are extraordinary. So we take art from across the Central and Western Desert regions, um, got a couple of artists from WA, and then we turn their art into a a, a canvas of lights installations. So this year, the theme we gave Parachma was lifting our spirits. Now we did this 18 months ago, and of course we were supposed to go up in April, but with COVID and everything, so we're opening this weekend, which is sort of like, I truly believe the ancestors are with us. The weather is amazing, and it is really time for us to lift our spirits. And so we looked at, for the installations, what is the symbol that really is relevant to Central Desert art styles? And, of course, it's the meeting place. And so one of our artists, Kumali Nanawari Wa- Riley, created a meeting place artwork based on the meeting of waters. And from there, we created uh, a seven-meter-high globe sphere that is based on Greg McAdams' work, which is the meeting place of grass seeds and where you go to harvest. And then we uh, have this extraordinary artist, Rachel Wallace, and she did Yam Dreaming, and the meeting place of the original YAM, their story of YAM. But it was so important to have that story because she'd been told the story and given the permission by her grandfather to paint the story. But her grandfather's getting really old and frail, so at Christmas she went back and learnt more about the story. And so that was really important that we continue that story So now we have that in this extraordinary... It's a five-metre yam flower, but all her artwork is on the yam. It's just amazing. And then one of the other installations, we have a a six-metre-high emu by Lachlan uh, Watson-Dodge, which is um, an emu-laying eggs. So we've got all the large eggs around the site, but the most extraordinary thing last night, because this is such a great time to see the Milky Way... I was looking up, I could see the dark emu, and it was literally above the head of the emu installation. So that was quite extraordinary. And the other things we have at Parchma, of course, are we light up the McDonald Ranges, um, and uh, that's a light show we called Ebb and Flow of Country, and it literally shows us country through a light show, and it's just extraordinary. And uh, we have quite a number of installations. We've got artists like Jimmy Donegan, um, who comes from Jamison in WA. And uh, one of our great young artists is uh, Marcia Ashwin. She's done a big echidna Dreaming story that's all been animated and it's projected onto the ground. Um a lot of people might know her. She's um, from Waluna, but grew up in Perth. And, um, and Heather Watson, who comes from... Um, uh, I'm probably not saying this right, but John Tajara community. And so it's quite fantastic that we're able to show these artists that a lot of people mightn't have heard about, but when they see their art artwork, they'll be... Oh, it'll just move them, I think. And the other side, to of course, we have Todd Moore, which is a lineup of all our performance. So we have uh, music, we have workshops, we have films, and of course our talks program, which is featuring Stan Grant this year.
0: How long have you been on site there, Rhoda, pulling all of this together?
1: I am on site and I'm moving around, I apologize because every time I move somewhere, someone's talking, so I keep moving. (laughs) But it is looking amazing. It is just extraordinary. And we work with uh, our reference group, which uh, is made up of custodians and TOs of the three estates that surround Mabuantwa or Alice Springs, and that has been one of the greatest uh, connectors and learnings. It's just been extraordinary how they have truly advised us but also they trust what we do with the art and that's just been fantastic.
0: So have you had to live in Alice Springs for the last a couple of months getting all of this together?
1: Um, well the team has been here yes and um, but I'm very fortunate that I live in the bush so I didn't have to self-isolate as such so I just flew in which was All fantastic I've been here for a week Um, and we spend a lot of time in the lead-up to building the festival we spend a week a month in in town with the um, custodians. Rhoda just
0: with the festival in fact we've just come out of celebrating the Shingu Matsuri festival here in Western Australia very lucky aren't we that these festivals are being able to go ahead.
1: Look, you know, we are so lucky, as you say, Sister. Like, We're really continuing things that did occur back in the old ways. But I just think for our own well-being and healing, but also to give value to our art and worthiness to our people. I mean, we gather and we hear our young people who are extraordinary with their knowledge of the Western system and then going back to their communities and combining that knowledge. And I think there's a great future, but I think it's absolutely essential that we get together and we celebrate through our eyes and we hear the stories that we want to hear from our custodians. And so I think there's a big shift now and, and I think more and more people want to have that experience of gathering on country and just treading lightly and sitting down and listening. Rhoda, it's
0: been a dream ever since Indigenous media first began, like you said, of you taking the airways back in the 70s to present a positive, respectful light on Indigenous culture to have that understanding. You pretty much kind of single-handedly done that along with your expertise and others over the years. You've really taken that message out to the world with the Dreaming Boomerang Festival and uh, the work you did back in uh, 2000. what does the future hold for you?
1: You know, it's 20 years since we did the Olympics and... Thank you for that, um, that you say I've done all that. But, you know, I learned a lot about production early on, and I know I have some great ideas, but nothing happens without the artist and their talent, and it truly is a team. I tend to get the accolades, but it's really a team effort. And I think of the Olympics 20 years ago, and uh, about five years prior to the Olympics, I went to uh, Moenjum, and spent a bit of time there, and of course, knew of Donnie Woolo Guja, and indeed, my father knew his father, Sam. And um, to meet that extraordinary artist, and to talk to him, and to look at a way that we could celebrate Wandana to the world was a huge movement forward. No one had done that with that particular artwork. I was able to get the trust of Donnie and he traveled to arnhem land with me he traveled across the country so he could meet the other custodians involved in the opening ceremony and i think one of the greatest joys was to see that rise above it in the sydney olympics and you know 15 years later i'm i was able to do a um, there's a celebration in sydney called the vivid festival and i got the opportunity to curate the sales on the sydney opera house And I ensured that continuing that relationship with the artists is really important. So, of course, Donnie's artwork once again featured on the sales for Vivid 2016, and it's those artists. It's all the musicians, it's all the speakers, everyone I work with, it's them who make these gatherings and these events and festivals what they are, because we have extraordinary talent. But truly, when I think of some of our older artists and what they've done and what their lives have been, I almost weep at how generous they are. And that's the learning I've still got to do because I don't know if I could be as generous. But they are just extraordinary. So without our art and our culture and that wisdom of our custodians and the reclamation of dance and song... We wouldn't have these events, so it really is all of us getting together and doing things. So I applaud everyone I've worked with because they're the ones that have made it, make me look good.
0: (laughs) We applaud you, Rhoda, and just lastly, your Order of Australia medal. Well deserved there. How did you feel when you got that, especially being the daughter of an activist? (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah, I was a bit... Dad, I've got this amazing photo of my father at the Tem- embassy, and when uh, ASIO released all their images, right, um, and the freedom of information, I was able to get all my father's, because he had a huge ASIO file, and he had a number one in every photo, is number one on his forehead, because he was considered the number one danger. <laughs> Um, because of his activism. And uh, I just thought, wow, that's that's a great accolade to have that. And so <coughs> when they asked if I wanted to accept the Order of Australia, which was an AO that I got, I really ummed and because of, you know, the whole history of colonisation and so forth. And then I looked at it and went, AO, Aboriginal only. And so <laughs> I... It was wonderful to receive, I guess, from your peers and that acknowledgement. But I think the thanks I get from people I work with is just as important, you know. And so with that AO, I just hope, I, I sort of think, well, Dad told me I had to be in service to my people if I was going to take this luxury route into the arts and how lucky I was that I would be working with language speakers and so forth. And so I think for the Aboriginal community, I hope I've been in service, you know, and that's what that award really means to me.
0: (laughs) Rhoda, it's been a pleasure talking to you, and as it was lovely to meet you backstage in uh, 1997 at the Deadly Awards.
1: Yeah, that's going back, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) Good luck. not were young and dancing back
0: then. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Good luck, not that you need it, my dear. The spirits are with you as the light shines on. Uh, Certainly good karma.
1: Many, many thank you, sisters. Big hello to everyone listening out at Gulari and um, hopefully next year you can travel across your borders to Parachma where we will have a number of artists from your communities celebrating and shining a light on who we are. As the oldest living race, let's never forget that. Thank you, darling. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Thanks so much,
0: <laughs> Rhoda Roberts. Isn't she gorgeous? Oh, well and truly deserving of uh, her accolades and and where she is. From humble beginnings with activist parents, uh, she has uh, risen very much as a result of her own achievements and uh, the Pachima Festival this weekend it starts in Alice Springs, in fact, tonight, tonight, tonight. You can get there.
1: That'd be great.